night. My wife up here crying earlier. It's not, not helping things a little bit. So good morning. All right. So it's good to be here this morning. You know, it's wonderful to see all of you that came today because Pastor Merlin's not here and he's not going to know that you weren't here. So I appreciate you guys coming today and, and encouraging. I'm very thankful for the privilege it is this morning to be able to share. Um, Merlin doesn't take many Sundays off, right? And we love that about him. He's such a, a wonderful, um, gifted speaker. And uh, so I'm very encouraged that he allows me to fill in. Um, him and Glenn allow me to fill in once in a while. So I appreciate that. So when you think about our year that we've had so far as a church, you know, you think about where we've been this year. Let me get my clicker going here. Oops, I got to turn it on. There we go. So think about a little bit where God has been leading us this year. All last year, which I guess it was about this time last year, we were knee deep into Nehemiah and we finished that sometime in the spring. And all that God was teaching us as we walked through the book of Nehemiah. Here you had Nehemiah who was distraught because Jerusalem was in, laid in waste and God's name was not being honored or glorified. And he goes and he wants to help rebuild. And God teaches us through the midst of Nehemiah that we all have walls in our life that need some rebuilding. Amen? Do you guys remember these, these, these accounts, these things that God has been teaching us? And as he was there, they came across God's word and this great revival happened with Nehemiah around God's word. And we know that God did some great and wonderful things in the midst of that. And God has been directing us all year, in my opinion, to his word. We saw that through Nehemiah. And then last week, or the last three services, uh, our pastor who it's just crazy how he can preach three messages out of the same text. Like, that's crazy. But it was so good. It was so rich. And I know we weren't here last Sunday, but I was able to listen to it online, which I'm thankful that we can do that. But we learned that Jesus is the Messiah through Andrew's confession. We learned that Jesus was sent, he was rejected, and he has been exalted by following through with what God told him to do in the first place. And again, God has been directing us to his word. We spent last three, the three, last three services knee deep in God's word. We read these large sections of scripture, remember? And he even chastised you guys. I'm glad I wasn't here last Sunday for that. You weren't excited enough, right? And I'll give him a full report after this morning. But God is teaching, amen? amen. And I think the, the message this morning is, are we paying attention? Are we paying attention? So this morning, the, the, the theme of the message is freeing Christ. And that's where we're gonna go this morning. And we're gonna walk down this path. So a few weeks ago, Merlin preached a message on strongholds. And he was talking about how we allow those things into our life and what that looks like and, and how all those things happen. And it was a really, really good message. And he mentioned this one word, liberty, which means freedom. And it, it resonated with me. And I already knew that he asked me to share this morning. And it just stuck with me. And I thought, well, Lord, is there something there? And I felt like ever since then, the Lord wanted me to share a message this morning about what it truly means, according to his word, to be free in Christ. And I'm gonna tell you this morning, we're gonna read lots of scripture. Amen, right? We're gonna read lots of scripture. But God has a lot to say about this. And it may not be our favorite subject. You know, I had a missionary tell me one time, and I said, hey, would you, would you wanna move to the U.S.? He serves over in Asia, and he said, Oh, absolutely not. And I said, why wouldn't you want to move here? He goes, 
it's just too easy to be a Christian in America. He goes, in my country, we count the cost. In my country, we know what it means to follow Jesus. And that really humbled me when I heard him say that, because really in our culture, it is pretty easy. How many of us had to fight our way to church this morning, minus the railroad tracks, right? It's crazy, all these railroad tracks are broke down. But we had to fight our way to church. So God is speaking to us, and I want to follow through with that theme this morning. So turn your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, and again, we're going to be quite a few scriptures. I'm not quite sure how this is all going to turn out. I've been a little nervous about this message this morning. As we were praying as a family this morning, Abigail prayed that I wouldn't pass out. So obviously that might have been a problem. She also prayed that I'd have enough words to say. So the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, we're going to read the first six verses, but we're really going to focus in on verse 1. And I want us to see this through the eyes of being free in Christ. The Bible says in, in Galatians 5 verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made, me, made us free. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who, belong, who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become strangled, strangled from Christ. You, you who have attempted attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. So when you think about this section of Scripture, starting in verse 1 here, we think about, um, and I'm just going to break this down for us a little bit, the way Merlin likes to do. Hit the right button here. When you think about this first verse, standing fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. You know, this, this term free, we really struggle with at times. Because again, we live in a culture where things are much different than most of the world. But I want to look at just three words in this first section here. And the first word I want to pick out is liberty. Now, Merriam-Webster's dictionary says liberty. Let me get ahead of myself here. It's the quality or state of being free, the power to do as one pleases, freedom from physical restraint. And a lot of times that is our thought process when it comes to freedom. But really this word liberty in the Greek is eleutheria, and basically that word means it's freedom. Liberty to do or to omit things having no relationship to salvation. It's all about not doing things or not allowing things to offset salvation, not anything that's gonna hinder salvation. That's really what this word has to do with. And when you think about this, this word's used 11 times throughout Scripture. But there's very few things in this world that don't truly affect our salvation. We have to be very careful what we allow into our lives. You know, when we think about liberty and freedom, you know, we're very blessed to live in the United States of America. We are. It's been a very blessed thing for us. But at the same time, it's been very um, detrimental to us at the same time. Because I think that so many times we take our picture of freedom 
from our country and we want to bleed that over into our Christianity. We do. I'm free. I have my rights. How many of us got more upset over COVID than we do over sin? It's true. I've heard a lot of great arguments over COVID. I've heard a lot of passion over COVID. I've heard a lot of passion over the politics and those types of things. But where's our passion to live for Jesus? You know, we sang some great songs, and Eric didn't know what I was going to share this morning, but they really tied together very well. Do we bring our ideology for freedom from our culture and our country to Christianity? I want my rights. Remember, the Bible says in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, Isaiah says, referring to God, he says, let me just turn there real quick so I don't uh, quote it wrong. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Colossians 3.20 teaches us, for our citizenship is in heaven. James 4.14 teaches us that our life is but a vapor. We go outside in September, right, around here, and we can see our own voice, or we can see our own, our own breath, right, because it's cold, or maybe not September, October, that's what our life looks like in comparison to what eternity is going to be like. And we think about the Sunday school lesson you guys had this morning. I wasn't a part of Sunday school. I wanted to spend some more time praying because, again, this has been a, a little bit of a struggle for me with this message. But you learned this morning. That was the reiteration is it's, this isn't our home. But so many times we spend 30, 40, 50 years as a Christian, we tend to make it our home, don't we? We tend to allow the things of this world, the cares of this world to kind of take over. We kind of allow those things to happen. And, and really what happens is we lose our zeal at times, don't we? I mean, think back when you were first born again. When I was born again at 23, year old, three, 23 years old, I was so crazy for the Lord, right? I stood up in my, one of my college classes. I was taking night classes. I stood up in my college class and testified to the entire class, like 30, 40 people, expecting repentance, altar call, and baptism. I did. And they told me to shut up and sit down. Like, think about when you were first born again, like how zealous we were. We were going to do anything for Jesus. Does anybody remember that? Does anybody experience that? <laughs> yeah, we remember those days. But as we do life, we, we tend to kind of run out of gas a little bit. And that's why we come to church on Sunday mornings. We get fired up again. And Merlin does a great job of firing us up, doesn't he? But sometimes we can get a little numb. We can get a little numb. This freedom we have in Jesus. Think about the Great Commission. We are challenged to be doing what God has called us to do, which is to go out and make disciples. Go out and make disciples. So let's move on to the next slide here. So the other word that I wanted to look at is stand fast. And stand fast is another Greek word, and it's steko, and it's a verb. It's an action. It means to stand firm, to persevere, to persist. There's a, there's a standing. There's, a, there's, a, there's a something happening here. There's a resilience that I'm not willing to let go of this. And I think so many times in our Christianity, we, we get a little soft, we get a little soft when it comes to the standing fast. We, we kind of want to bring in some reason from the world. We want to bring in some reason just from our own flesh. And we think that 
somehow that's going to work out in our life. Let's keep moving here. And the last part of this verse I want to look at was just that last section, entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You know, Jesus teaches us so much in his word. Entangled means to be ensnared or trapped. Yoke basically means a burden. Remember in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, Jesus says to take my yoke upon you. Learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. And then the bondage, which would be slavery. Being ensnared again with the burden of slavery. So we're encouraged in Galatians 5, 1 that we need to stand fast in the freedom we have because of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done for us. So just to put everything into context, when we're looking at Galatians here in chapter five, Galatians was battling the, Judea, the churches of Galatia, I should say, were battling the Judaizers, and the Judaizers were telling them, hey, you're gonna follow Jesus, that's great, but you've also got to do some other things. You've gotta be circumcised, and that was the one thing that Paul was pointing out. You know, so many times in our life, in our freedom walking with Jesus, is we can become very legalistic. We can. But we've got to be mindful that salvation is a free gift. There's nothing you or I can ever do to earn that, ever. But the freedom we're talking about today is what's next, right? Like what happens as a result of that? What happens um, in the midst of that? And I put this picture up here because that's, that's a ditch, right? Because legalism is a ditch. And really, when you look at freedom in Christ, there's, there's two sides to this. In legalism, we tend to focus on the things that we're against. You guys know those people. You meet them, and they immediately tell you five things they stand against, right? And I've been one of those people. We need to be people who talk about what we're for, and that's who we, we want to be for Jesus. But legalism is never obedience. Obedience to Jesus is never legalism. Let me rephrase that. Obedience to the Lord, obedience to Christ is never legalism. I've heard people say that. Well, if you follow in that Bible, then you're just being legalistic. That's not true at all. That's what we're called to do, right? Jesus says, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Like we need to be consuming his word. Again, that's the theme in my opinion God has had us on this year is that we need to be in his word. We need more of his word. We hear it all the time. What are we doing about that, church? You know, Barna says one-third of the church last year left is not coming back. And I told you guys this statistic again uh, last time I shared, which was about six months ago, and the statistic's even worse. Now it's less than 8% of the church, evangelical church in America, reads their Bible on a daily basis. That'd be a church this size right now. We've got about 12 people that read their Bible every day. And what I want to convince us of this morning, what I feel like God wants to show us in his word this morning, is it doesn't work to neglect him. It doesn't work to neglect his word and expect to live a successful Christian life. It doesn't work. We have to be those who are willing to dig in and study. So when we talk about being free, what are we free from? We've got to understand that and be reminded and I don't know about you, but I need those constant reminders. As I study the word of God, I realize how much more I need to study. As I pray, I realize how much more I need to pray. What I did a year ago no longer gives me the victory that I need in my life today. I want more of who Jesus is 
Amen? So let's look at a few verses and talk about what we're free from. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 8, starting at verse 31. It's hard to narrow down the verses to use today. So you're probably going to think of a few that I didn't use today, but that's fine. The Bible says in John 8, 31, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, he says, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We come across that word again, free. We can be free because we know the truth, and his truth makes us free. Verse 33, then answered him, we are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you'll be made free? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever committed sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Verse 36, Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen? We can be free. We are free if we're willing to do just what he says there. If we abide in his word, we're his disciples. If we allow his truth to truly change us. Flip over to Romans chapter 6. Romans 6 is one of those difficult sections of knowing quite where to stop when you're trying to talk about what we're free from. So we're actually going to just read the whole chapter because as I read, I'm like, well, I can't leave that verse out. Well, I can't leave that verse out. So we're just going to read the whole chapter. But again, focusing on why we're free, what we've been free from. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also should be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Again, that word freed. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but that life, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed of sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall, have no, shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Verse 15, what then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though we were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of the flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness 
uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Amen? For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then things in which you were now ashamed? For the end of things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can be set free because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen? We can be set free because of completely what he has done for us. It has nothing to do with us. The, the, the part that we have to do is allow it to happen. Jesus told his disciples all the way back in Matthew 4, 19, he told them, follow me. And when he ended the gospel of John, he was telling Peter the same thing. Peter, just follow me. That's the life that we're supposed to have in Christ Jesus, the continually following him and following him, him being Lord and master in their life. Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. Just turn the page there. Therefore, there is therefore no, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of Christ, uh, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen? It's such a beautiful thing to think of all that Jesus has done for us. Remember, all this happened while we, while we sat by and watched, right? He did all this long before we were ever born, which is the crazy part. To think that God did all of that for us before we were ever born. Before Janaica sent up here with her little baby in her arms. Before any of these things happened, right? God chose to do these things for us. He chose to allow his son to come and, and be murdered. I shouldn't say it that way. He allowed himself to be tortured. He laid his life down for us. Amen. But he allowed himself to be tortured for us. So we're free from the penalty of sin. Free from the Jewish law. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter three. Starting in verse um, 20 through 23. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. Jesus teaches us in Matthew five seventeen that he came to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. We no longer have to look at the 613 Jewish laws and say that I have to keep all of those. The Bible clearly teaches us that if we've broken one, we really have broken them all, right? And just like Pastor Merlin likes to say, all means all, right? So if we've broken one, we've broken them all. We can't, we're not, it's not possible for us to keep the law. It's impossible for us to do apart from Jesus. In the midst of that, we're also free to serve others. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. Many of you probably have this one memorized. Mark chapter 12. Starting at verse 29. Actually, 
start in verse 28. The one of the scribes came and having heard them, having heard them reason together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus, in verse 29, answered him, the first of all, of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And, and Jesus is quoting here from Deuteronomy chapter 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, it, the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, for there is no other commandment greater than these. You know, our freedom in Christ has to be seen through the context that we are to love God with everything, and now we're to love others. Now, was there any part of that where he said, also love yourself and do what you want to do? Nowhere. Nowhere. It's all about the Lord and it's all about him living and working in us and through us. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 14. Romans 14. If nothing else, it'll keep you awake, right? Reading all this. Romans 14. So in each of us, so give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to, be a, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in another brother's way. Verse 14, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean itself, but to him who considers things to be unclean, to him it's unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one in whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. Here we have the picture where Jesus is saying through the, his servant here in the book of Romans that we're not to be a stumbling block. We're not to be hurting another person's walk or witness. Nothing should be so important in my life that I'm willing to hold on to that and allow my brother to stumble. Something so important in my life that I'm willing to do something because it's all about me and cause my sister or someone else, weaker brother maybe, to stumble. You guys all know that I used to drink before I came to know the Lord. You know, once I came to know the Lord, my wife and I were like, that's it. We're not gonna drink. And God freed us from that. And we've taught our children from birth, shouldn't drink. But you know, there's a lot of Christians that do. And you know what? The Bible doesn't say specifically not to. But the Bible does say abstain from all appearance of evil. And I think we have to be so concerned about our testimony and the way that we live out this Christian life, we've got to be very concerned about that. Who's watching me? Who's looking up to me? What is my testimony before them? What are my actions? What's my character? Am I willing to allow God to continue that sanctification process and mold me? Because remember, the goal isn't to be like Pastor Merlin. It's to be like Jesus. I should say Glenn. I shouldn't pray. Be like Glenn. No, we want to be like Pastor. We want to be like Jesus. He's the goal. Everyone in this room will fail us at times. I promise you it'll happen. But Jesus never fails. And the goal is for each one of us to be like him. 1 Corinthians 6, 12. 1 Corinthians 6, 12. Corinthians is a is a tremendous book. It's a good one to study. But, he, but Paul says to the church at Corinth in chapter six, verse 12, he says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power 
of any. Paul is basically saying, there's a lot of things that I can do, but I could care less about those things. I'm concerned about the Lord. I'm concerned about my testimony before the Lord. I'm concerned about living the gospel out before others. Now think about that. We think about our freedom. We think about our country where we're free. We like to bring ourselves into this picture, don't we? Remember, we just read the verses. Our self brings bondage. Our self brings slavery to sin. And Jesus, just so you know, he doesn't need any help. But so many times in our Christian walk, we, you know what, Lord? I want you to save the kids and straighten out my wife. I'll handle the rest. Don't we? Don't we want to take some control to ourselves? Well, Lord, you handle the big things and I'll handle these small things. But really, that's not our life in Christ at all. Our life in Christ should be, I don't want anything. We have Jesus, amen? That's all we need. But we need to allow that to work through and in us and through our lives. Another verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Turn over there for me. So we talked about Galatians a little bit and now... Uh, Corinth is having some similar struggles. We're going to be in chapter 10, verses 23 through 24. Chapter 10, verses 23 through 24. The Bible says, And all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. It goes back to what Jesus told us earlier. The First commandment is love the Lord thy God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love my neighbor as myself. Paul's saying the same thing here. It doesn't really matter what I can do. It's what I'm willing to do because I'm so concerned about other people. I'm concerned about the gospel. I'm concerned about what that means. And church, is that really where we're at in our freedom in Christ? You know, we get the privilege of traveling around with the ministry that we're a part of and we get to go all over and it's really a lot of fun to be in different churches and, and meet lots of different people. But I can tell you, free in Christ means a lot of things to a lot of people. It does. It's as broad and as wide as you can imagine. And it's something I think the Lord really wants us to take consideration of this morning. He says here, but not all things edify. You know, the Bible teaches us that we're here to edify each other. We're here to encourage each other. That's part of our role as being a brother and a sister in Christ. So Corinth was guilty of loose living the other ditch. So we have the Galatians who were leaning towards the legalistic side of things, which is a ditch when our Christian freedom, but also Corinth now is leaning to the other side in loose living. And the Church of America, um, I have to admit, this is our side. This is our side. We like the loose living. We, we think that we're so free in Christ that I can just do and act and I can listen to whatever because I'm free in Christ. I can listen to the most garbage music. I can listen to, I can watch whatever on TV. I can wear whatever, ladies. How about we try to be the most modest instead of trying to figure out what's the least modest that I can be? Can I get an amen? That's a struggle. We talk about not putting a stumbling block in front of your brother's it would really help your brothers to be modest. And not just modest, think about the culture we live in. Our culture says there's no such thing as a girl or a boy, right? Isn't that crazy? Be the woman God's called you to be. All of it. 
guys, be the man God's called us to be, all of it. Show the world this is what a man looks like. It's okay in Christ. Amen? Jesus taught us that there is a narrow path. He tells us in Matthew 7, 13, and 14, enter the narrow gate, for wide is the gate that, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, but because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, few there be that find it. Brothers and sisters, our life is not about us. You think about all the different ways in which we think we're free. We all have a checkbook. How many of us would love to show our checkbooks to everybody else in the room and say, see how I'm serving the Lord? See how I'm serving the Lord? Look at all the, look what God's doing. As God's giving me resources, look what I'm doing as I serve the Lord. Because that's a big deal for us men, right? We like our checkbook. We like our stuff. We like our hobbies. Brothers and sisters, all of that is worthless in the sight of the kingdom. It's all worthless in the sight of the kingdom. Our hobbies, our, our hobby farms, our puppies, whatever. Put anything in there you want. Remember what James said, life is but a vapor. We're only gonna be on this earth for a very short time. And eternity is how long? Forever. Right, so no matter, if you live to be 100 years old compared to forever, what's that look like? Nothing. We gotta quit living for today. We gotta quit living for this world. We gotta quit living for ourselves. We're living for ourselves. The Bible says, well, let me back up a slide. Social media, we love to look to the world for, for encouragement, don't we? We shouldn't, but we do. Social media, it's all about I, it's all about how pretty I am, it's all about the only the highlights, the great things that happen in my life. It's never the argument you just had with your wife, right? It's never you after you kick the dog, and it's never you after you spank the kid. We look to these things, we look to the world, that picture on the right, that's my version of the world, all those bright lights. We look to the world so many times to try to get, okay, what are, how should we act? How should we do these things? And God says to love not the world. Turn your Bibles to John, 1 John, chapter two. Real quick while you guys are turning that page, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, it's one of my favorite authors. If you guys don't know who he is, he was in Nazi Germany. He was one of the few pastors that was willing to stand up and say no to Nazi Germany. He wasn't willing to allow his church to become a communist church, basically. And he wasn't willing to become a, a state church. And he says it this way. He says, cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, Baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, and grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. That's what a pastor who lost his life for the gospel's sake at the hands of Nazi Germany says about living for Jesus. I think I might have missed a slide here a minute ago. 1 John 2.15 let me back up there real quick. The Bible says, do not love the world or, things, or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. 
He who does the will of God abides forever. Forever. When you think about these three different sections here, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, when the devil came to Jesus in the, in, uh, in the wilderness back in Matthew 4, these are the ways he tempted Jesus. It's the same ways that he comes at us. He wants to get us distracted. He wants us to look out into the world and think, this is really nice. I can be just like everybody else. The problem is we don't like to be different. We don't like to be different. We like people to like us. I like people to like me. But I'm to love Jesus first. Is that our motivating factor? Is that how we live out being free in Christ? Is that how we live it out? Are we walking in that freedom this morning? Are we reminded of all that Jesus has done for us? And if you're sitting here this morning and say, well, I really don't understand all that. Well, it's because we have to come to that place where we come to the end of ourselves and realize that I can't do this on my own. You know, when my wife and I were uh, looking to figure out this whole thing called children, right? We had one expecting another and... I started looking at my family tree and realizing, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of great examples of fatherhood in my, in my family. And, and the Lord really used that as an opportunity to drive me to church. We'd started going because my wife wanted to go and I could care less, but the Lord used that to open my eyes that I needed him. We sang that song this morning, I need, I need thee, right? Do you still realize you need him? We need him more today than we did yesterday. The world is getting crazier and crazier, but Jesus says that we are light. We are salt. Not that you're gonna hope to be one day. Here he says you already are. But it's time that we allow that light to shine for the gospel's sake. Shine not for ourselves' sake or what we want or our own selves, but that we walk in the freedom that we have because we're free from sin. We're free from the guilt of sin. We're now free to follow Jesus with everything that we have. Amen. Come on now. Thank you. Thank you. But at some point, it's time for us to grow up. You know, Paul talked about as he was writing, he says, you know, I should be writing to you as, as really full-grown adults. He says, but I'm having to, having to share some milk because you're not grown up yet. And I'm not saying that we haven't grown up or we have, but I'm saying, can we handle some strong meat at times and be able to say, yes, Lord, I want to grow. I want to do something about that. And I want to follow you more faithfully. Because that's what I need in my life. But it means that we all have to want to grow up. Starting with these young people, these teenagers who won't be teenagers forever. It is time to grow up. It's time for us to spread our wings and follow the Lord with everything within us. That's what God's called us to. That's what the freedom is for. But we can be very selfish at times. We want to be free from sin. Now I'm going to go home and I'm going to sit, right? And I'm going to enjoy my big old house with my freezer full of food. And I'm going to enjoy my Christian friends, right? And I'm just going to live this life of comfort. And that's not what Jesus has called us to. Those things aren't necessarily evil, but it shouldn't be where we put our faith. What if God calls you to go to some place you can't even pronounce? Uzbekistan or something. What are we going to do about that? What are we going to do when God puts his finger on 
something in your life that he expects you to die to. Because here's the deal. We're all doing stuff wrong even today. We all still have opportunities in our life to repent. You know, we think sometimes, and it's even preached this way at times, not in this church, but it is preached at times that repentance is a one-time deal. Do you read that in Scripture? Repentance really should be a lifestyle, right? And I can tell you, I struggled with this message this week because I know when a message is going to be strong or not because I usually have an argument with my wife because the devil comes at me. He wants to try to not have me share what I feel God's leading my heart to share. Hey, he'll come at us. You guys ever realize that? comes at us between our wives, comes at us between our children, maybe between brothers. And I told my wife, um, I don't know if I exp- said it to her specifically, but I thought about it after we had our discussion, right? That I think God really wants us to hear this message this morning. So church, do we have an ear to hear that we are free in Christ? That we are free. And that freedom cost Jesus everything and now we're to walk in that. We're to walk in that. We're going to look at a few more verses. But our ultimate goal in life is to glorify God, to glorify Him. Turn your Bibles to Psalm 19:14, another popular one. Some of you probably have this one memorized. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Remember, everything that we do in life, God knows. The Bible says that one day we're gonna stand before him and every, every knee is gonna bow and we're gonna stand before him and, and we're gonna be embarrassed with some of the things that we've done. We're gonna be embarrassed with some of the ways that Jesus has been trying to teach us, the way he's been trying to guide us, the way he's been trying to help us overcome and we've not submitted to that. Romans 15, verses one and two. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each one of us please his neighbor for his good leading, for his good leading to edification. Bearing each other's burdens. First, first Peter chapter two, verse 11 and 12. First Peter chapter two. Peter says, beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, that they that may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Other people are watching us. The world is watching us. And we need to be a good example of the freedom we now have in Jesus because he set us free from sin and death. Galatians chapter five, back to where we started this morning. 
verse 13. Galatians 5, 13, the Bible says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Our freedom is not for ourselves. Our freedom is for the Lord. Do you love him this morning? Because that love should show up in our lives as a way that we are serving others. Our life is not about ourselves. And there's some great examples of that in this church of people who are constantly um, giving of themselves and serving others. We have some great examples in this church of those who are walking in this freedom. But brothers and sisters, this is for all of us. We all will need to walk in the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. Free to show the world what it really looks like to be a faithful man of God, a faithful woman of God. I have one more, one more section that I want to read here. One more section. About being free in Christ. These are some of my favorite verses. Mark 8, 34 through 38. Lots of turning. I love it. All right. Mark 8, 34 says, when he, called, uh, when he called the people to himself, with his disciples also, he says to them. And now this is Jesus speaking. This is the New King James. I appreciate the way he, they translate this verse. He said, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Do we have that desire this morning? It, it's a want to. Do we want to follow Jesus? Because if you don't want to follow Jesus, then he's not done anything in your life. Because if he's truly done something in your life, you want to follow him. Amen? Do we want to this morning? Verse 35, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus is asking some questions here. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed. And when he comes in the glory, uh, in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Are we willing to lose our life because of what Jesus has done for us? Are we willing to say, I don't want anything to do with it? Lord, it's all yours. I want to be your man. Whatever you say, Lord, if you say go this direction, I want to go that direction. If you say give something up, I'm in. If you say pick something up, I'm in. That's the, that's the life that we are to have in Christ. That's the freedom that we have. We are now free to follow him with everything. But there's some of our struggles is, Will God really take care of me if I follow him according to if, if my wife, and my wife and I had this struggle early on in our, in our marriage, she said, you know, I want to come home and be a, a mom, and I want to come home and, and raise the children. And I said, are you crazy? What are we going to do about that paycheck? And she says, well, the, the Bible right here in Titus says that I'm supposed to be a keeper of the home and, and those types of things. Anyway, we... We took that leap of faith, trusting God, and God provided every month. Every month God provided. 
That's the God we serve. He honors his word. And there's a lot of testimonies of that in this room. God honors his word. We can follow him according to his word. And I can tell you this, we are accountable for this word. Amen? And think about that. How many people wish they had a copy of this in a language that they can read and even the ability to read it? All over the world, millions of people don't have that privilege, and yet we do, and yet we still miss the mark so often in our own life because we're so concerned about ourselves. We're concerned about our own safety, those own, our own types of things. So this morning, have we lost our life? Are we willing to lay it all down to truly walk in the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus? That's the question. That's the question God would have for us. So I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna have Merlin come up. We're gonna lead in one song, um, I Surrender All. I think it fits well with this. And I pray that as we sing that song, that we'll think about these verses. Have we truly surrendered everything to Jesus? Is he truly Lord of everything in our lives, which means, again, that we have to be willing to be wrong. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the tremendous gift of Jesus today. We thank you that he is our propitiation, that he has come to give forgiveness because of his perfect sacrifice for our sins. And Lord, we know that he is faithful to just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the death, burial, and resurrection, Father, as Jesus rose again three days later, Lord, to give us power over sin and death, Father. And Lord, I pray you would forgive us, Lord, for the ways in which we don't walk in this. Lord, we overlook you so often. We continue with our struggle so much because we're not willing to lay all at your feet, Father. And Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that dwells within us, that convicts our hearts, Father, and that leads us into all truth, Father. And Lord, I thank you for the gift of your word this morning as we read these verses. Lord, I pray that it truly would be life to us today as Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we know that this word is him in the flesh. And Lord, I just pray your blessings on that. Lord, thank you for this congregation. We do wanna pray a blessing over Pastor Merlin, Lord, and Heidi and the children. Give them a great time. Give them safety and a really refreshing time, Lord. Uh, and I thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in our lives. Lord, I think of these last few verses that we read. If any man desires to come after you, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow. Lord, I pray that we would be that church that was more concerned about you than we are ourselves. A church that understands true freedom in Christ and not so much about ourselves. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of sharing this morning. I pray that if there's anything that I said that's wrong, you would strike it from our memories, Father. But Lord, what was right and what was from you, Lord, I pray it would penetrate our hearts, Lord, and you would mold us and you would change us, Father. That's what we need. And Lord, you would fire us up. As Pastor Merlin got up a little excited about last week, that we would be more fired up about what you have done for us because it truly is amazing. Lord, thank you for all that is done this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on up, Merlin.